Father God, we thank you. And we come before you this morning to worship you and to be in your presence. Just welcome you here. I thank you that you want to be with us and that you invite us to meet with you. I thank you for all the blessings that you pour out on us, especially the things that we can't see. I thank you for your protection, for your provision, and I thank you for loving us. Father, I thank you that, that, that you are everything. That we can depend on you for everything. I just ask you now to bless this time, bless each person who is here, who is watching, who is on their way, Father. I ask you to speak to us this morning through your word, through the music.
Jerusalem, we'll see. 
good morning. Good morning. So we came to worship the Lord this morning. Amen. Yes. In John chapter 12, Jesus, he is speaking specifically. He said, it's time for me to be glorified. And he told me, he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. I believe that means when he was lifted up on the cross, it also means that when we lift him up, when we let that cross have its full work in our lives and we begin to lift him up, let our lives glorify him, he will draw all people to himself. He's pretty irresistible when we allow him to let his light shine in and through us. And then John chapter 7, Jesus said on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That's a wide open offer. He throws it out there for everyone. Are you thirsty this morning? You ready for a drink? Yes. That's what we do when we worship. We're drinking in of the presence of the Lord. So I want to encourage you. Come with an open heart. Come and just say, Lord, I'm here. I'm ready to receive. I want to lift you up and I want to let you be God in our midst today. Yes. So Lord, we invite you to come and we say we choose an act of our will. We choose to worship you. We choose to lift you up and exalt you. Put you on the throne of our hearts, Lord, and let you come and be enthroned in the praises of your people. And Lord, this morning as we worship you, come, pour your spirit out, let us all drink so that we'll have that living water in us and that we'll be filled and overflowing and the rivers of life will flow out of our innermost being, Lord. Fill us up this morning. Help us to drink this morning of you and receive all that you have. Speak to us now. Touch us and change us in your presence as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship. Two seraphim cried unto the other. Oh, 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 oh,
Yeah.
that touch. We want that touch from your life, your life in us that would bring fire and glory to us that would change us, transform us in your presence, Lord. That's what we desire this morning. We don't need more information. We don't need more teaching. We don't need more stuff. We just need more of you, Lord. More of your touch. That one moment with you better is one day in your court than thousands elsewhere. Lord, today is an opportunity for us to experience you in all of your glory, to see you as you are, know you, would be changed in your presence, Lord. That's my desire. That's my desire, Lord, to see you behold your face, to be changed in your presence. I choose to drink of the water of life, the water that you're pouring out. You said, come, if any man thirsts, let him come and drink freely. So, Lord, we are coming this morning. We say, yes, yes, pour it out. We'll drink it in. We'll receive of your life this morning, Lord. Let your living water flow this morning now into us so that we'd be changed, that we'd go out of here filled to overflowing with your great love, Lord. Your spirit would overflow and flow out of us to every person that we come in contact with in this world, Lord, that you would work in and through us, that your love and your light would flow and shine out of us. Receive that now. Receive that now, Lord. Just pour it out on us. We say yes. We're drinking it in. We're receiving it now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for life. Thank you for life, Lord. Life is more abundant. It is overflowing abundantly. You've poured it out on us, Lord. I want to see you as you are. The God of abundance. 
God of love who is pouring out His abundance and goodness on us all the time, Lord. I want to see, even when I'm when I'm going through a difficult time, I want to see your goodness, Lord. It may not change my circumstances, but it changes everything about the way I view everything. And so, Lord, I want to see you as God. I want to see you as for me. And when you're for me, who can be against me? Thank you, Lord God, that you are in control, that you are God over all the earth. We choose, Lord, to follow you. We choose to submit to your Lordship. We choose to let you be God. Your sovereign rule and reign in our lives, Lord. We choose to say yes. We want to follow you. We want to walk with you. Lord, I thank you that you invited us to walk hand in hand, not not as, as worthless, trash, slaves and servants that are nobody, but you said, I'm not going to call you a servant. I'm going to call you my friend. Thank you, Lord, that you've invited us on this wonderful journey. We can know you, walk with you, experience you. You are in us and we are in you. Lord, we are one. Your body. You're the head that controls everything, but we're all part of you, Lord. And I thank you that you're making each one of us more and more aware of our part in this body. So that we'd be fully equipped. We can fill that place that specially designed just for us, Lord, that we would occupy and satisfy the needs of this body as individuals, Lord, as we work jointly fit together to become one in you. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Challenge us and stir us. Change us so that we are new and refreshed today. That we don't go out of here like we came in. Thank you, Lord, that you are here. You hear our prayers. If you have a need, I don't care if it's a physical need, a financial need, if you've got an emotional need, you've got a relationship that's broken. Any needs that you have, right where you are, you can receive from the Lord. Lord, we just lay everything out before you. We lift up this body. Those who have needs, Lord, we specifically ask that you heal Billy and uh, all of her family and and that you continue working in John and Veronica and their family and heal them, Lord. And for, for Jeff, he's going to have this heart surgery on the 18th. Lord, we pray your, your favor, protection, healing, that this would be a one-time thing that takes care of everything and it will be completely healed and whole and he'd be better than new. We proclaim that in Jesus' name. Lord, for everyone else who's struggling with brokenness in whatever form. Lord, I pray that you breathe life and healing and wholeness into each one of us today. We're here, Lord, and we're saying yes. We've got our hands out. We've got our hearts open. We've got our eyes and our ears attuned to you. And whatever you say, we agree. We are here to receive from you, Lord. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. That's good stuff. When you worship the Lord from your heart, things happen. Good things happen. Everything that we experience from God 
it happens in his presence and as we apply the truth of his word the holy spirit leads us and guides us and it's all about him our part is just to come into agreement with him and when we do that good things happen amen yeah. so we've been in colossians 2 for a while and i'm going to we're going to wrap up Colossians 2 with a summary today, and then next week we've got a guest speaker, and after that, I think I'm going to step away from Colossians for a little while and uh, do some other things, and then we'll come back uh, at some point in the future with chapter 3. I've enjoyed Colossians, though, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm encouraged how alive that the Word of God is, and when you give God's Word a chance, It'll do wonders in your life. Amen? Amen. So, I'm calling today's message uh, Walking in Maturity. Walking in the Maturity. You know, we're, and we've been talking about all these things that Paul was saying to the, the church in Colossae. And uh, I want to read um, some of these verses to you. I, I've broken it down into, into three sections. We're going to read two passages of Scripture. Start in Colossians 2, verse 6 through 10. And Paul says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So first point I want to make to you is that we need to keep Christ at the center. That's verses 6 through 10. We just read it. We want to walk in him. We want to walk in him. That's what Paul said. As you received him, walk in him. It's, it seems real simple, but there's a little bit of depth to it that I want to get into. Walking in Him. That means to live a certain way. A walk is a certain way of living. It doesn't mean the way that you put your feet out in front of you and you travel. You know, that this is a it's a metaphor. Metaphor. Ooh. That's big. It means he's making an illustration to you. He says, walk this way. The way that you've been taught, the way that the Word of God reveals it, it is a lifestyle. It's not, it's not just going on doing whatever. There's a certain way you're supposed to walk. It's revealed in the Word of God. We are supposed to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Galatians 3.3, it says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Paul was saying, you guys, you're all messed up. You started out in all this spiritual truth and faith and now you're you're going back to trying to keep the law and you're doing all these things about you know trying to obey rules and regulations and that's how you're trying to earn your salvation and grow in the Lord and it's not going to happen you're not going to grow spiritually by doing things in the natural the two things are different John 8 12 Jesus said I am the light of the world he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 12, 35, Jesus said, A little longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. 
He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. So this walk, as you receive Christ, so walk. You receive him by faith and grace. That's the only way you can receive him. Any other way is not the gospel. There's only one way. It's by faith through grace. He's made the way and we say yes. And you can't even say yes except for God's grace that enables you. Without the Father calling you and without him pursuing you, none of us would ever say yes. We would just do our own thing. But by his great grace, we're saved. So if that's the way you receive him, that's the way you have to continue to walk. You continue to live by faith through grace. You don't start out that way and then transition over to being good. Not that there's anything wrong with being good. You ought to be good. You ought to be good. We ought to do good. We ought to be good. Matter of fact, Christian people ought to be the sweetest, nicest, most loving, humble, serving, compassionate, merciful, graceful, wonderful, kind, etc. people on the planet. And if you're not, then you better check how you're walking. If you're not kind and compassionate, if you're not merciful towards other people, and if you're not being gentle and humble, and you're not serving, then you need to look. You need to look at the way you're walking. Because maybe you've gotten away from something somewhere along the way. Because if you're walking in faith, in the grace of the Lord, he's going to be changing you. Because you're going to be submitting yourself every day, just like you did originally. When you when you came to him the very first time, you said, I'm, I'm inviting you to come and take over my life. I want you to be in control. I choose to let you control my life now. You are Lord, but I'm making you my Lord. I'm saying, come. You're the sovereign Lord. Rule and reign in my life. And I'm going to walk with you from this point forward. When you do that, that's just the start. That's not the end. So every day, we should be making that same commitment over again, fresh again, say, Lord, be be Lord today. Guide me. Lead me. And I want to obey you. I want to follow you. I want to be right there. I don't want to get to the to the right or the left or fall behind. I want to be right there where you are. I want to follow you. As you receive him, continue to walk in him. It's by the spirit, not by the flesh. And it needs to be an organic growth. That means that you're going to be rooted and grounded and established. Organic. You know, you grow things. That means it's growing. It's alive. We're supposed to be alive. We are alive in Christ. Yes. And we are rooted and grounded in him. We have roots. Remember Jesus told a story about the, the sower and the seed. And there were different kinds of soil. And, you know, I, I was thinking about it. And I got to thinking, if there is another kind of soil that Jesus didn't talk about. But I want to just put this out there. There's the kind of soil that someone that owned the land that said, I don't want you coming on my land. I don't even want you putting seed on me at all. But most of us, we hear the word, we receive the seed, and we respond in different ways. Depends on what kind of soil you are. If you're, if you're a, hard, a hard soil, the seed hits you, it bounces off a little bit, you're excited to hear it, but the, the devil comes along and just gobbles it up and snatches it away and it's gone. If you're a, an okay soil and you, and you start growing but you don't get good roots, then the sun comes and it just scorches you and the devil discourages you and, and, you, and you lose out. And if you're the soil that, that grows 
but you got a lot of weeds and stuff growing around that carries the life and it chokes it out and you become unfruitful. And then there's another kind of soil, the soil that is good. And when the seed grows in it, it produces fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. It continues to produce fruit. It doesn't just have one, one crop and say, okay, I can rest now. It continues to produce fruit over and over and over. That's the kind of soil we want to be. My contention is the word is spread to everyone. Some people are, it's like they're going around with an umbrella over their head and shedding the seed so that it can't take root. I want to be the soil that's saying, come on, pour it out of me. I want it all. Whatever you have for me, I want it. You have to be rooted and grounded. If you want to be, if you want to be established and you want to have growth in the Lord, you want to walk in maturity, you have to grow some roots. You have to be grounded. You have to know what you believe. You have to know where you're going. You have to understand that, that you have an adversary who is out to kill you. He's out to lie to you, deceive you, cheat you, steal, and destroy your life. And he's trying to do that all the time. And our responsibility is to know the truth so that we can continue to walk in freedom. Jesus said, if you know the truth, you'll be free. You'll be free indeed. But you have to, you got to walk in the truth because the enemy doesn't just give up. It's not a one-time deal for him or you. You make a commitment to the Lord, it has to be a, a, an ongoing commitment. And the devil doesn't give up just because you make a commitment. He keeps coming back trying to, trying to discourage you, trying to cause the cares of this life to, to choke out the fruitfulness in your life, trying to come and steal away the truth and replace it with some twisted, perverted lie. That's always been his game plan. Our responsibility is to be rooted, built up, and established so that we don't fall to that. Ephesians 3.17 says, That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, you can understand and comprehend everything that God is doing. When you're rooted and grounded in love, it all begins to make sense because you can see God's plan. You understand the Word of God. When you read the Word of God, it becomes alive to you, and it begins to make sense because you're rooted and grounded in love. Luke 8, 13, it talks about, uh, about those that weren't rooted. So the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, they receive the word with joy, and they don't have a root because they're on rocky soil. Because they don't have a root, they just believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, they fall away. you got to have roots. I, you ever plant a garden? And, you know, if you, if you take a plant and you pull it up out of the roots, now the roots are out of the ground, there's no soil around to keep moisture on, it's going to wither and die. And this kind of heat like it is now, it's not long. That's the way I get rid of weeds in the garden. I pull them out by the root and I put them over there on a pile and just watch them wither up and stuff. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like weeds. And I got behind in my garden, I got to say, when it rained and it rained and it rained and, and I had more weeds than I had anything. Couldn't even tell which was a road, which was a weed. There was to tell. I used a weed eater. I didn't use a tiller. I used a weed eater. And uh, but I just about got it back in shape now that the gardening season's about over. So, uh, but the problem is that the cares of this life and weeds can they can overtake you if you don't stay if you don't stay in tune with what is supposed to be happening in your life. You let things go, and it can get out of control. You can get to where you're not even you're not even able to see 
the truth anymore. And our culture today in this country is so messed up and there is so much stuff being bombarded to our young people and, and the adults alike that if you don't know the truth, you're not walking in the truth, then you're going you're gonna to be hearing all that garbage and you're going to be trying to figure out which of this is true, which of it's not true, which is, is, is really the way that I ought to be living. And there are things that, that we have done as a nation. We've made laws that say it's okay to do something that God says is abominable. Right. And that's the very thing that, that we were warned against. Woe to those who take and begin to call good bad and bad good. And that's exactly what we've done. And we didn't just do it culturally, but we've enshrined it in our laws. And we've enshrined it in our curriculum at school. And they're trying to do more and more and more. And folks, we need to be praying. And we need to be involved in things to whatever extent we can. Because we need to have our voice. God's people need to stand up and be the body of Christ as we were called to be. In the early church, God's people, because of persecution, they spread throughout the entire known world. And at one point in Acts, they said, oh, no, it's these guys. They've come here, those who have turned the whole world upside down. Now they've come here also. Have you turned your world upside down lately? Most of us really haven't. It's time we begin to rise up and be the body of Christ. If we would do our part, God would take care of all the other part. If we do the natural things and the normal things and the things that we can do in the spiritual world, then God will do the supernatural things that only he can do. If we do our part, he does his part. If we don't do our part, it limits God. You know, God doesn't do anything except through us. Sorry, that's just the way it is. He wants us to be involved in building his kingdom. We, he builds it, but we're involved in it. So we've got to be growing and maturing. We've got to be rooted and grounded in the truth, and we've got to be walking in that daily. And then in him, you are complete. Complete means to abound or to be crammed full. I like that. I want to be crammed full of Jesus because in him I am complete and everything else it's just me but in him I'm complete. We need to understand and realize how significant it is that we are in him and that we rely on that and that we don't try to do stuff in our own natural strength in our own natural wisdom in our own worldly ways we need to be operating in the spiritual realm. Faith by grace. In him you're complete. In him all the fullness of the Godhead dwells. That's why we are complete in him. Because we are in him and he is in us. And when he is in us, that fills us with God. And when we're full of God, then we can do great and mighty things in his name. He said, I've given you power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Go. He said, I've given you authority to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say, uh, I might go with you, or I might help you, or you might be able to accomplish some things. He said, this is how you do it. Yes. I'm giving you the game plan. He said, this is how it works. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you. Because I am with you. 
even to the very end. And I've given you power and authority. We have to walk in that knowledge, who God is, how his indwelling of us changes us. We're not just Joe Blow anymore. We're Joe Blow that's filled with God. The God of the universe lives in you and he wants to work in and through you miraculously. These signs will follow those that believe. They will. If you believe and if you're operating in the kingdom authority, they will follow you. If you don't believe it, then you're not going to be doing it. That's probably why most of us aren't seeing signs and wonders follow us like that because we're not doing anything. We're afraid if we do it and it doesn't happen, we're going to look silly. It's not your responsibility to do the work, though. It's your, your responsibility to be obedient. God will do the work if you'll just be obedient. In him, all the fullness of God dwells. In Colossians 1 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. So Paul said that twice in the book of Colossians now. The fullness of God was in Jesus. And when Jesus walked on the earth as a man, we were seeing God. You want to know what God looks like? Read the Gospels. Because when you see Jesus, you're seeing God. And if you want to know what, what a godly life is supposed to look like, read about Jesus. Because he was God. And we're supposed to be like him. He is in us. We're supposed to have his mind. We're supposed to think like him, speak like him, respond and react like him, see people, hear people, touch people like him. And that might seem kind of odd to you, but that's, we are, we are the way God works in this world. We are his people. We are the way that God operates. Physically, we are the ones that touch people. Spiritually, God's the one that's doing all the work, but we're the ones that are the face of it all. And if you got a face that's frowning and snarling and grumpy and grouchy, that's not a good face. That's not the face of Jesus. It needs to be a face that's filled with joy and smiling and you can't hardly hold it back because you're smiling all the time. We need to be happy and joyful. That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to impact the world all around us. Turn your world upside down a little bit. Might look better that way. He is the head of all principality and power. Ephesians 1, 18-23 says, The eyes of your... Paul was praying this over the Ephesians. He said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, far above all power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Yes. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We're his body. He's the head. If he's up here and we're down here and everything is under his feet, where is it? It's under our feet too, isn't it? Amen. We have power and authority to do business for the kingdom. Yes. We need to be doing that. He sent us out to do his business. He said, go. 
I'm giving you power and authority. Go and do business in the name of the kingdom. You don't want to be doing your own business. Now, I'm not saying you don't have a life. You got, we all have a life. You have to have a job and, you know, take care of stuff around the house and take care of your families. I mean, there's all kinds of responsibilities. You got to take care of all that. But you need to be kingdom oriented. Everything we do, we need to be conscious that we are part of a kingdom. And it's not this worldly kingdom. It is the kingdom of God. Yeah. We have a plan and a calling and a destiny in our lives. We need to be working towards that all the time. The next thing is we need to keep Christ as the omnipotent redeemer. That's verses 11 through 15. And uh, I can find that here. I'll read that to you. Verse 11 through 15. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You're buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcisionary flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of ordinances and requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it triumphed over them in it in his cross so you were dead but now you're alive I was dead and I recognized I was dead I recognized that wasn't a good way to live being dead and so I said I want to be alive and so when I was 15 years old I gave my life to the Lord and I said, I want to be alive in you. I want to live my life for you. I want to walk with you because I see that you understand life. You're the creator of all life. I choose you. I don't choose my way anymore. I choose your way. I was dead and so were you. But when you gave your life to Jesus, he took away all of your sins. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says, he made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Paul makes it abundantly clear. You're no different than everybody else. You were a sinner. You were in control of the devil. You were in bondage. You might have thought you were living, but you were dead in a doornail. You might have thought you knew about it all, but you were stupid and ignorant and totally deceived. You were blinded, and you were under the sway and the control of the devil. We all start out the same way. We all have the same issues and struggles. But he has made us alive. He didn't leave us as dead. I mean, if you choose to remain in death, that's up to you. But I want to make, I want to be alive. I don't want to be dead. There's no life in death. You have to choose. You have to choose, though. And every day, you choose to walk in the light. 
choose to walk in the life that he's provided. You choose to say, today, I give it to you. I'm going to walk with you today. I want to hear your voice. I want to respond to you. I'm not going to do my own thing today. I want to do your thing. God has called each one of us. He's given us a destiny. Each one of us have a calling. I'm not saying you're supposed to be a preacher. I'm just saying that God has a plan for you. Every one of us, God has a plan. And it's a rich and, and full plan. It's not just some halfway crummy little deal. It's got an abundant life attached to it. It's the promised land. Lord. He said, come with me and I'll lead you right into that land that's flowing with milk and honey. I'll show you where all the good stuff is. And I'm going to pour it out on you with an abundance that you won't even be able to comprehend with your little pea brain. <laughs> I'm just going to keep pouring it out on you. You can't understand that. I'm just going to keep pouring it out on you. That's what God wants. He wants us to begin to see and comprehend who he is, how great he is, what he wants to do in our lives. We don't want to limit God by a lack of understanding of who he is. We want to release him in our lives to be God, yes. to be the creator, the healer, the deliverer, the light. Yes. I don't want to walk in darkness. I hate walking in the darkness. When you walk in the darkness, bad things happen yes. to you. I go out there to feed the animals at night, but I'm taking flashlights. You know, I'm trying to be careful. But every time, low hanging tree limb in my face or spider webs. Oh, I hate those spider webs. All over my, you know, <laughs> because I know there's a spider in there somewhere. You know, the web is bad, but the thought of that spider crawling me doesn't really appeal to me. I don't like walking in the darkness. I like to walk in the light. When I'm out there in the daylight, the sun's shining. I can see that spider web hanging. I can even see the spiders. Like, oh, not going there. I'm going to walk this way. That's the beauty of walking the light. You can see what you're doing. You know where you're going. You're not stumbling over things and, and falling down all the time. You're walking in the light. The Lord wants us to walk in the light. And we are alive in him. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 says, But God, who is rich in his mercy... I love that. Rich in his mercy. His mercy never fails. It doesn't stop. It doesn't run out. He is rich in mercy. You need some mercy? I know who's got it. He has an abundance of it. And he doesn't run out. He is rich in mercy. God is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, when you were worthless, had no hope. You didn't care anything about God. Even when you were in that state, when you were his enemy, when you were contrary to him and against him in every way, he loved you so much that he gave everything so that you could experience that rich mercy that only come because of his great love. <sighs> when you were dead and trespassed, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up together he made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them we're alive in him and it's not so we can just take a seat and watch what's going on 
we're alive in him so we can be actively involved in the kingdom. He said, you can't be saved by works. But then he says, but we are his workmanship. We're created for good works. It's a weird way of saying it, but there's this balance all the time between our part and his part. We can't do anything except through him, but he wants us to do everything. He wants us to be involved in it. You can't expect him to save someone if you don't pray for him, if you don't talk to him, if you don't love him, if you don't do all the things that he's revealed to you to do. That would be foolish to expect God to just miraculously do things if you're not going to pray, if you're not going to believe, if you're not going to take part. God does things in and through and with us. We are his workmanship created for good works. Our walk is supposed to be a walk of good works. You want to walk in maturity, you start doing something. Yes. Do something. You know, if you sit long enough, you get flat back here on the bottom. I mean, you just, you know, you kind of get bolted into that seat. I had two boys and they played they played ball. Man, I felt like for years my my rear end was flat from sitting on bleachers all the time. I, I don't want to do that in the kingdom. I want to get out of the seat and do things. God is calling. He, he's calling us. He said, come, come. And he, and he doesn't leave you just to figure it out on your own, but he says, come, you can, you can follow me. I'll lead you right into it. I'll show you what to do. I'll be with you. I won't ever leave you or forsake you. And he prepared great works for us that we should walk in them. We all have a destiny of calling, but it's got to be as we walk in maturity. It's not going to just happen on its own. I'm telling you, there are people that give their lives to the Lord. They, they walk to the altar because they're having an emotional experience and they pray that prayer and they say yes and then they go away and it's like they think it's all over and done. It's a one-time shot and you're good forever. You have to walk with the Lord. You're called to a life of repentance. You're called to a life of change. You're not supposed to be the same person. You're supposed to be changing, always. I've been walking with the Lord for uh, 45, 50 years, and I, I still am changing all the time, regularly. And if I'm not changing, I start looking at myself like, what's going on? We need to be changing all the time because God wants us to make us like him. That is what we're supposed to be, like him. So we're alive in him and we are free from the law's power. It's broken. No longer can the law control us. No longer are we obligated to stay under a list of regulations where it's a bunch of do's and don'ts. It is a law of life and liberty that's written in our hearts. The Holy Spirit works through our conscience and shows us the things that are right and wrong. And yeah, we read the word and we see the things that it, it says. You ought to do these things and don't do these things. It says flee youthful lust. It says, you know, it gives us direction. But we're not living under the law. We're not living under a list. We're walking in the Spirit and the Spirit will give us direction on a regular basis all the way along. If we're in tune with the Lord, He'll lead you and guide you. You won't need some preacher to tell you, this is sin. You'll know the sin because the Holy Spirit is speaking in your heart saying, you better get away from that. 
you know if you take fire and you pick it up and you embrace it, you're going to get roasted. Woo! It's hot! You, know, you don't do that. The Holy Spirit will talk to you and guide you and lead you. You'll know the things that you should and shouldn't do. And you don't need someone to yell at you or slap you around and beat you up about it. You need to be in tune with the Lord. Walk in maturity. It's a spiritual walk. It's not a natural walk. It's a spiritual walk. You have to be growing all the time. Roots grounded and established. So Paul says that you've been forgiven from all of your trespasses. You've been set free. You're not walking in all that bondage anymore. You've been forgiven. And the power of that sin has been broken so that it's not going to have dominion over you any longer. When Jesus was crucified, buried, and rose again on the third day, he came out of the grave victorious. He broke sin's power over you. You don't have to be under the dominion of sin anymore. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but you don't have to live in sin. We are free. We can walk in freedom. And the beauty of it is that his mercy is so rich and good that when we mess up, we can run back to him and say, sorry, I messed up. Cleanse me. I want to get right back in there and go again. And he receives us. I'm so glad because God is not like me. You know, I mean, sometimes it's like I'm, I'm counting. You know? All right, that's, that's the third time. You, then you're not going to do that to me again. Jesus, had a, he had an expression for that. He said, how about 70 times 7? We are supposed to be like him. And so I'm glad that he's changing me because I am not naturally all that quick to forgive and all that quick to to let it go. I like to keep up with things, you know. Uh, I got my list working here. Uh, we don't want to do that. We don't want to keep a list. God's not keeping a list. He doesn't want us to either. What God says is, your sins and iniquities, I choose to remember no more. He didn't say I've forgotten about them. He said I choose to not bring them up. That's significant. That's the way we have to do. We have to choose not to remember offenses and wrongdoings. We have to choose to not dredge them up and keep reiterating them and bringing them up and you know mulling it over and pondering it and thinking about it because that's going to cause us to become bitter and frustrated and angry and it'll ruin your life. We need to forgive and we need to choose not to remember those things anymore. And then Paul said that Jesus disarmed the principalities and the powers. So I was thinking about this. If you were in jail and someone came along and, and took you out of jail and set you free, that would be a good thing. But what if, what if the powers that be just pursued you relentlessly trying to put you back in jail for the rest of your life? And that's exactly what happens, right? Spiritually speaking, the devil comes back to you and says, I'm going to, I'm come on, you, gotta, you don't belong out here in the freedom. You belong in here. You belong back in this cell. You belong back in here in bondage. But, well, look what you did. I mean, for crying out loud, you're a, you're a scoundrel. And you didn't just mess up once, but you messed up over and over and over again. The devil's putting all that on you, and you start believing it. 
And you start thinking, well, I guess he's wrong. I guess he does have the power to put me back in that jail. No, he's been disarmed. He does not have the power to put you back in the jailhouse. Only if you allow him to. Now, he will put you back in there if you, if you allow him, because that's what he wants to do. He disarmed the powers and the principalities. Second Corinthians 2, Paul said, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. That's describing a triumphal parade. A victorious army. The general comes home, he's defeated the enemies, he's recovered territory that was lost years ago, and he's brought it back into the kingdom, and he's bringing it home, and they're all out in the streets, and they're, they're cheering for him, and he's got a few prisoners, captives, he's dragging along with him, and they're, they're embarrassing them and humiliating them right there, and that's what Jesus did. You can smell the flowers, you can smell everything that's going on, you can hear the shouts and the clapping and the rejoicing, because someone has brought home victory. And he didn't just win the battle, but he openly displayed that he won the battle. And that's what Jesus did. When he rose from the dead, it's like in your face and dragging you down the street behind me. You're, you're the one that's in the chains. You're the one that's bound. You're the one that's defeated. I'm free. We have to keep rejecting human wisdom. You know, there is a... Uh, Man, there, there is this temptation in our world today because you get bombarded all the time, 24 hours a day, on the TV, on the news, on the radio, and friends and coworkers and school teachers. Everybody's telling you, this is the way it is. This is what you got to believe. This is what you got to do. If you don't do that, you're a hater. You're a, you're a whatever. And then, you know, they've all got all these things to tell you. If you get involved in human wisdom, and cultural values, and you get away from what God says, you're just going to be frustrated because those things cannot save you. They cannot set you free. They cannot keep you free. They have no power. Matter of fact, just the opposite happens. They'll begin to put you in bondage. You begin to say, oh, I can't say that anymore because I might offend someone. Oh, I can't act this way anymore because that's offensive. And I can't, you know, it just goes on and on and on. The list is growing. Like daily. I don't even understand some of these names and words they use. They've got so many phobias that I don't even know what they all mean. And I still don't really understand woke, except that I hear it all the time. I understand it's probably not something that we want to be involved in, but, um, but that's part of this cultural thing. They're trying to take away all of our cultural values and give us some new set of values. Sounds familiar to me. Sounds just like what the devil did in the garden. Oh, did God really say that? No, he didn't say that. He said this. You're not really going to die. But they really did die, didn't they? The devil is doing the same old thing he's always done. And we're falling right into it. This nation is a wonderful nation, but man, we got problems. So Paul talks about the shadows. He said, all the teachings and all the things that were in the old covenant he said, those are shadows. They were just showing you what it was going to be like. But now you've got the real thing. You have Jesus Christ. It's way better than Coke. It's the real thing. He's the real thing. Jesus Christ. He is the real thing. All that other stuff, the shadows, they were just, they were shadows. A shadow can't help you. 
unless you're a shadow boxer, maybe that might help you. you, know, you but you're still, you're doing all the work. Shadow's not doing anything. Shadows can't help you, but the real thing can help you. The real thing can change you. Shadows are powerless, but there's a substance who is Christ, and he is the one that can change us. And there's no philosophy that can redeem you. Paul said, all these manly wisdoms and philosophies, they perish with the using. That means, you know, you, you do them, and they just, they're gone. You practice that, it's gone. You like that? It's gone. There is nothing that you can do as human wisdom or philosophy that's going to change you. It's a band-aid. I don't want a band-aid. I got one on my finger here, but I don't I don't want the band-aid. Put the band-aid on there because every time I put my hand in my pocket, that scab started bleeding. And I don't like getting blood on everything, so I put a band-aid on it. I want to be healed though. I don't want to walk around with a band-aid. And I don't want to use manly wisdom, human wisdom, philosophy to try to do things that is a spiritual thing that can only be changed in the spirit realm. There's no value to transform us with manly, natural, human philosophy. 1 Timothy 4, 7, Paul says, Reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So, Paul was talking to the Colossians. He said, you know, these people are coming in, they're telling you all this philosophy. They're telling you, you know, you got to behave a certain way. You got to do all these ordinances. You got to be circumcised. You got to, you know, do all these things, washings and cleansings and do's and don'ts. And if you do all that and you, and you bring your body to subjection, you fast and you control everything and you're disciplined. Paul said, all that bodily exercise isn't going to change you. Bodily exercise is okay. It's good for you, but it's not going to change you spiritually. You want to be changed. You want to be transformed. It's only going to happen as you walk in Christ. Worship team, y'all can come back. So I want to tell you, there is a there is a way that seems right, but in the end, it's just going to bring you death and unhappiness and misery. There is a way that seems right. And it's the way that we hear when you tune into the news and you tune into the college professors and you tune into to all the celebrities and what you see on TV and hear on the radio. There's a way that seems right. But there's also a way that it is right. And we need to be tuned in to the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need to be tuned into that. We need to be walking in the same way that we came to Jesus, we need to walk in that faith by grace. And we need to say, I'm all in. Every day it needs to be like a new commitment. Just starting on this. I'm, I'm all in again today, Lord. It's a new day. I'm starting over. I wasn't so great yesterday, but today I've got hope. It's a new day. I can try again. I messed up some last week, but this week's going to be better. And if next week is worse, that's okay because it's new mercy every day and it starts over. It's like a clean slate. That's one of the things that Paul said. He said he had wiped out all the handwriting that was against you. 
All the records that were against you. He blotted it out. He, it's like a he took a he took a cloth and some salve and he said, I'm just gonna wipe out all that stuff that's written against you. And it's a new fresh start every day. Isn't that good to know? Because I, I wasn't perfect yesterday. I wasn't perfect last week. I haven't been perfect for the whole time I've walked with the Lord. But every day it's a new opportunity to start over. And maybe today is the day that I'll be more like him. Maybe today is the day that I'll be loving. Maybe today is that I'll walk around and smiling more. And maybe today is the day that I'll be changed. Maybe today is the day I'll turn my world upside down because it's a new day to walk with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship.
It's coming after you. Hallelujah. You can't outrun it. You can't avoid it. God's goodness is being poured out all the time. How about you just receive it? Amen. How about you just receive it? I think about the Olympics. You, know, you watch those relays and those guys that can't make the handoff. Fastest people in the world and they botch the handoff. God doesn't botch the handoff. His goodness is following after you. It's running after you. And when he makes the handoff to you, all you got to do is say, I'm in, baby. I'm in. I receive it. His goodness is being poured out on you. Hallelujah. If you have a need, you'd like special prayer, it's okay. Come, come. someone will meet you at the altar and pray with you. We'll anoint you with all, whatever you want. Uh, and I just encourage you to do that as we start worshiping this last song. If you want to come for prayer, altars are open.
I thank you for the word that you've spoken to each one of us today. I know that we are changed in your presence today, Lord. I seal this word over our hearts today that we wouldn't go out of here and forget, but we'd go out of here with a new outlook on life, an attitude that we want to walk in maturity. We want to be rooted and grounded in you. We want to walk in the power and the anointing, the authority of the kingdom. We're going to reject the lies of the enemy. We're going to walk in the truth of your word, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you you heard us. Thank you. You've been here. Thank you for all that you've done. And we say it was how good to have been in the house of the Lord today. Yes. Amen and amen. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Go and be blessed. Don't forget all the things we got planned this week. It's going to be a great time. We're getting geared up back into the swing of things. We're going to reach kids, young people. We're getting after it. Amen? Let's go do it.